Praise the Lord. What a beautiful service, huh? The Lord is so good. Well, I'm so glad we got a chance to honor the fathers this morning. We're so glad you joined us today and celebrating not only your Father's Day, but our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If we could, let's start out with a word of prayer. If we could bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord. We're just so thankful for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives, Father. Lord, we acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we yield our hearts before you. We thank you so much for bringing us together today so we can acknowledge you, to lift you up, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, minister to us and have your way within our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Okay, well, I need to kind of set the scene for the sermon first. Um, last week, Robert Luna spoke about sowing seeds into our lives and reaping a godly harvest in everything that we say, everything that we do. And today we're going to take that seed concept and we're going to bring it into this message because it shows and reveals what a father is. Being a father is rooted and it's founded in, 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 in God's image and in his likeness. God is an example for us. So as we learn more about God, we see how God has done everything. Everything he's done is already finished. He finished the work, and then he went back and he started it again. So he, he laid out all the plan of salvation for man ahead of time. So that when we walk through our life with God, he has already seeded our life with everything that we need, with every little detail, and he looks into every little point of our lives. He cares about every single detail. So if we have anything that's, that, that we're, is burdening us, anything that we're seeking God for, he knows and he cares. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. When we look at God the Father, we see that God was... In creation and redemption, we see him as father. As father, there are certain attributes that go along with being a father. Some of those attributes are he's a progenerator. He seeds everything. He starts everything. He plants everything. Everything originates with him. Another attribute is source. And this is where we're going to talk about more about today than anything else is that a father is a source. When he sources something, he also nourishes it. He, he, he upholds it. He strengthens it. And he watches over everything that he sources. He has the, the authority and the power to do everything concerning that seed that's been sown. He's also a nourisher, a sustainer. He's a founder. Everything starts with him. He's also a protector. A father loves and protects everything that comes from him. It's his job to rule over and protect everything that God has genesis with him. And we see that throughout the word of God. We see that God places these hidden attributes in each and every one of us. But as fathers, as men, some of us are sons, some are fathers, some are grandfathers. But we're going to see how God has placed all these attributes within us. And when we need it, he comes and he activates the seed. 
the seed that he put power, that he put direction in, that he prepared for you, he has seeded those things inside of you. And when you need them, he comes and visits with you to sprout that seed and to give you that thing that you need at that time. Praise the Lord. So as we're talking about seed, as we're talking about source, there's a couple of points I want to point out before we get started with the sermon. But everything comes from a source. When something is removed from that source, then death comes in. When, you're, when something is removed, then death fills that void. You can take a cow. Cow comes from the dirt. When the cow dies, what is it? He returns to the dirt. A fish dies. When a fish dies, what happens? He returns to the water. When we die, what happens? Our body goes back to the dust, and we go back to God. So we return to our God. But if we look in the example of Adam and Eve, what happened in the fall was that they were separated from their source. God was their source. God was their creator. When, they were, when there was a separation, then death came in, and death took from that point on. So we have to see that God has seeded everything that we need in life. In the fall, when Adam and Eve fell, and they allowed death to come in, that changed the scene on everything on the earth. Everything changed. Actually, when you stop and think about it and you realize what's going on, it's, you realize it was a war over seed. When Satan was trying to deceive Eve, it was all about the seed because he knew if he could have the power of the seed, that he could rule the earth and he could, he could have every resource that he needed because God resourced it in the seed. God put one oak tree out there, and he populated the world forever and ever. That, that one seed was to populate the earth for eternity. If Adam and Eve had never fallen, the, that one seed would continue and continue and continue. It was eternal. That's a powerful, powerful point. So I want us to remember this, that due to the lack of the fall, I'm sorry, due to the fall, when death came in, it created a curse. What is a curse? A curse is an empowerment to fail. A curse is an empowerment for things to just slowly start dying. The end result is death. So I want to separate the two. I want to identify what is a curse and what is a blessing. And a blessing is an empowerment to succeed. A blessing is to empower you with life. A curse takes away life. A blessing brings life. So a seed can, can, can kill you. A seed can bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you. Think about that. When you receive a word from God and you, you, you take that word, you put it in your heart, and you get revelation on that word, that word is for eternity yours. Nothing can take that word away. You can take that word and put life in every single thing you do because that's what it's for. It's to take the curse that we live in, and we're turning it upside down so that we can be a light to the lost world out there. So they can see us living in victory. They can see us living in health. They can see us living in peace. What a blessing. So we have been seated in Christ with Jesus. And, and the Father seated Jesus. The Jesus, Jesus has seated us. What a blessing. If you stop to think that 
You're not just a human being. You are actually of a divine class. You're from the seed of God. You are blessed to be a part of the family of God. You're not mere men. We are children of the Most High God. We are here temporarily, but our home is here, and our home is in the Spirit in heaven. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we need to start holding on to that and say, you know what? God knew exactly what he was doing. Before the fall, he seeded the whole plan with every little seed that we would need. That should bring peace, comfort, joy to us because it's already done. If we have a need, if we have a problem, run to the word because it's waiting to release that power to you. The power is in the word. The word is the seed. The seed is infallible. It's, it, it will never fail. It cannot fail. Isn't that awesome? We're, of a, we're, we're, we're beings that cannot fail. In Christ Jesus, we're flawless. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? How beautiful is that? Okay, now we're going to start the sermon. Okay, so praise the Lord. Um, so the fall, in the fall, well, let me back up and say this. The good news about the fall is that Jesus died for us before the foundation of the world. Praise God. That's something that sometimes we, have, we, we don't realize, but Jesus laid everything out. He even died before the world was created. Praise God. That is so powerful. And when we, when we see that, and we see that before Adam and Eve sinned, he already made a provision for that sin. It didn't catch him off guard. He knew that when he created a being that has choice, has, has the ability to choose right or wrong or, or choose him or choose otherwise, if it wasn't a choice, it wasn't love. There has to be choice to be love. No choice, no love. So he knew that, and he laid out the foundations of salvation before it ever happened in case Adam and Eve ever fell. Praise the Lord. You and I are living the day right now that's already been laid out before us. We're here by grace. All the words that we received were, they were basically my sermon being spoken before I got up here. What a blessing to see the Spirit of God to move in our lives in such a great way. So the good news of the gospel is that before there was ever a problem, God provided a solution. Before we ever got bit by the snake of sin, God provided the anti-venom, Jesus Christ. He knew how to come in and completely neutralize the effect of the sin. Praise the Lord for that. So he could take a, a curse and turn it into a blessing. There's nothing in your life that, 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 that needs to be dying, that needs to be hurting, that needs to be in pain. We can take every one of those and turn them into life and be glorifying God in everything that we do. Whether it be by thought, whether it be by deed, the Lord has empowered us to walk above sin. What is anxiety, depression, these different symptoms? Those come from the fallen world. What did Jesus do? He came and says, I give you joy. I give you peace. I give you life. Choose these things. Don't choose those. Rise above those things. You can walk on sin. You can walk on the fruit of sin. We can turn everything around when we submit and yield ourselves to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we're going to see that seed, time, and harvest is a way that we can overcome the world. Everything we need is already seeded in us. It's in us already. 
And that's how that, we can overcome the world in our finances through seed time and harvest. We walk in another economy. Ours isn't dollar for dollar, and it's not even a double portion. That's the Old Testament portion. Ours is 30, 60, 100 fold. See, we don't need to be walking by the world's economy. We walk in God's economy. We need to be crushing the economy of the world. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, the title of my message is Never Alone and Always Cared For. Never Alone and Always Cared For. You know, today I'm going to share a couple of testimonies of, of what the Lord's done. And we all have our own situations where we feel isolated, where we feel alone, or we feel hurt. We just want to know, what is the answer, Lord? What, what do I need to do? Well, I want to encourage you today that you're never alone. You're always cared for. The Bible says you can go to the heights of the heaven, you can go to the depths of the earth, no matter where you go, you cannot go without God being with you. You're his child. You're his seed. He takes care of his seed. He nurtures his key seed. He loves his seed. Amen? Praise God. Okay, I'm going to share a scripture. It's Philippians 2.13. This is where we get started with, with our sermon. It says that God is working in you. God is working in you. He's already started. He's already doing the work. He's already, we read this scripture, we find out he's already, the work's already started. He is working in us. He's not going to, he already is. Amen? It says that he is giving. He's not taking, he's not waiting for you to produce it. He's not, uh, he is giving it to you because he knows that you don't have it. He knows you can't produce it. He's giving you desires. Praise God. Isn't it great that we are a place where God can deposit and input his desires to us. That's so powerful. So it says he's given us his desires and the power to do what pleases him. That verse all by itself says you are a seed. And I'm going to put in you the desire to do what needs to be done. Because you don't desire it. But I will work with you. And the more that we spend time together, the more you're going to love me. The more you're going to desire what I desire. You know, it's going to be a... A, a fusion between us. And really, that's what faith is. Faith is walking with the Lord, walking in fellowship. He says, you come from a fallen world. Let's do something to empower them. They're made in our image. Let's empower them to walk like us. And what does he do? He says, here is faith. I'm sending my word. And when you read my word, it's going to come alive in you. It's going to raise up what you need. He's going to take an orphan and give him a father. He's going to take poverty. He's going to, he's going to give prosperity. Amen? He's going to take the sick and he's going to raise the dead. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we, we have to see that it's all done. The work is finished. Isn't that powerful? Praise the Lord. It's, it's not only done. Only did Jesus die on the cross and say it's finished. It was finished before Adam and Eve showed up. It was finished ahead of time. See, now that's a loving God. That's a God that's watching so, so intimately out for us that he's even taking care of the details before the movie's even started. Praise the Lord. That is so great. Praise God. So we're going to go on a little journey together. Like I said, I'm going to give a couple of testimonies. I pray that this is for the fathers, but it's, if you're a son, a daughter, a mother, a grandparent, 
I believe we're all going to find something here that's going to minister to us and, and bless us. If you see tears up here, these are tears of joy, tears of victory, not tears of pain or sadness. To whom much is given, much is loved. Amen? So that's exactly where I come from as I share this. Um, they were sharing earlier that I had brain surgery 10 years ago. I had two brain surgeries 10 years ago. And the word today about the plumbing, that word was for me. It's what the Lord's been speaking to me for quite a while. And praise God for that. It's just the release of the spirit is so, so sweet. So I'm just going to say that word was for me. If it was for nobody, I know it's probably for everybody. But it was for me because the Lord called me to the ministry. And I haven't preached since I had brain surgery. And this is my first time. And praise the Lord. So the Lord is so good. Just wanted to share that little nugget along the way. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I was born in Plainview, Texas. I was one of six children. We had three boys, three girls. And my mother and my dad got married very young. My mother was 15 years old. My dad was 19. And it was, it was a... I only can remember so much. I'll share more with you why that is. But uh, my dad's family was quite wealthy. They had like 50,000 acres. They had oil rigs all over the place and farms and stuff like this. And, but when alcohol entered into uh, the family, it tore the family unit apart. And while it, life may have been good, we should not have let certain things in because that tore our family apart. And not only did, did he become, my dad become an alcoholic, we also went to prison. So when we talk about the, the camp that we had this weekend, I wish I had a chance to be at one of those camps. It would have changed my entire life. Just to have that seed planted and watered in my heart at that time would have made such a difference. But when I was around six or seven years old, we were put in a children's home. You know, my mom, had, we had traveled around. My, we, she was going to relative, to relative, to relative. We were sleeping in the car. You know, it's like we got all that money behind us, but we're out here alone. And we were going around from house to house to house just trying to find a place to sleep. I remember being very, very hungry. Um, anyway, what happened is we were put into a children's home because my mother, just six kids. She may have been 22 at the time. It was just so, so much. And in a, in a time when it was a very male-dominated society back then. I don't want to tell you how long ago that was, but it's <laughs> let's just say it was a early 70s. So um, anyway, what happened is that we were put in a children's home. We stayed there for a year, and it was, it was just a tough time for us, but... Um, we also got separated from the children's home. They, they sent us out to, to foster homes. And at first, we were all in the same city, different houses. And then we were told by someone that, oh, your brother went to Amarillo. Oh, your sister went to Midland. Oh, this, oh, that. And pretty soon, you just lose track. You don't even know where everybody's at. So we're all in different houses all over the state of Texas. And we were, we were in foster homes for about four years. And uh, one day, we got a, a visit, and somebody said, 
Well, actually, what they did, they brought us all together. We hadn't seen each other in probably four years. And they said, we have a family that wants to adopt six kids. Specifically, they want three boys. They want three girls. It was just like, wow. We were just so happy to see each other. We are just like, whatever it takes, just keep us together. And so we agreed to go live with this family in Lubbock, Texas. And their, their idea, their plans were to, to adopt us. And we just wanted a family. We just wanted to be a part of something normal. I mean, at, by this time, we emotionally just a mess, just torn up. Every time you wake up, you don't know what house you're in. You, you start looking for who's mom, who's dad. Pretty soon you realize, I don't have a mom and a dad. I don't even know who these people are. In two months, I'm going to be moved somewhere else. So it's like being just moved around. But it's another thing when you're separated from your brothers and sisters and you start to lose your identity. So... You know, we looked at this and we said, you know what, let's do this. We just all agreed, at least we stay together. If it brings us back together, then we get separated again. Well, we'll deal with that at that time. So anyway, we lived with this family for a year. It was like a, a probationary period that we were going through. And I got to say, it was, it was nice to be in a, in a home. And what ended up happening, they set a date for us to be adopted by these people. The date that we were, everything was fine. The day we were going to have the adoption, we were sat down on the sofa, and we were told, you will tell the judge you do want to get adopted. If you don't, when I get you home, I'm going to beat the far out of you. And so we were just, like, stunned. We didn't know what to say, what to do. So we just obeyed. We just, we went, we said yes, and all that kind of stuff. So that started, that's, it's kind of like that's when, the bad news kind of started right there. It's just like we saw different people show up, and these were not the same people we lived with for a year. And it was funny because like two weeks later, we're packed up. We come home. People are packing the house up. We're like, what's going on? And we, we found out we're moving to Honduras in Central America, which is just, where is Honduras? What is Honduras? So we moved to Honduras, and we lived there for a year, and I got to say, it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad. We enjoyed being there. It was like very, you know, I was only 12 years old, and I was bigger than most of the adults down there. <laughs> so I felt like an adult while I was there. And, uh, but we lived there. It was, it, was, it was an okay time. Almost to the day of a year, we moved out of Honduras, and we moved to Minnesota. Honduras, Minnesota. It was just like tropics to freezing weather up there. I mean, one day in Minnesota, it was 62 below zero. That's very, very cold. And at the time, we didn't know to question all this. First, we're just happy to be together. We're kind of getting over the euphoria of just knowing each other, getting to, to know one another. But when we moved out on the farm in Minnesota, that's where everything just went very south. Um, first of all, we were isolated, and I think that was part of the plan. Move to a farm, be isolated. And while we were on that farm, we went through basically hell on earth. The people were very, very abusive. I, if I told you some of the things, you wouldn't even believe me. Uh, and no, no glory to the enemy, but, you know, my brother was locked in the attic for six months. We, we slept in the attic while the family slept downstairs in the house. Six of us. I mean, it's just, it's just hard to even understand, but... Um, it's okay, the Lord's in control. When the end result is that God wins. And, uh, but we were just like so 
devastated because we couldn't come home. We lived in fear every single day. You come home, you didn't know what kind of mood he was going to be in. You didn't know if the house was going to be torn up, what was going to happen. And then one day we moved to Minneapolis, which is in the city. We thought, oh, finally. Because when we lived on the farm, we had zero friends. You couldn't go see a friend. You couldn't talk to a friend. You were on the farm, and you worked from, we got up at 4.30 in the morning to milk the cows. And you went to bed at 8.30 exhausted. So we were just like, what did we, they adopt us for, to work us? What was this all about? We just didn't understand it. So anyway, we moved to the city, and we thought, well, this is going to be better. Now we get to walk to school. We get to do things that normal people do. But it, it got way worse. And it just got to the point where I could look at my brothers and sisters, my younger brothers and sisters, and they're, they're just they're crying all the time. Just because of the pressure, you could walk into the house and feel the pressure. It was just that bad. And one day I came home from school, and it's like I'm usually the first one home. My sisters were there. I said, well, "What's going on?" And and I realized my sister, hmm, my sister was missing part of her hair in her head. And I said, well, "What what has happened?" And they told me what happened. Well, you beat my sisters up, both of them. And I just said, "Go down to the basement." Let's just go down there because we can't talk up here because they're listening to every little thing we do. We went down to the basement and we just looked at each other. We knew we, we're going to kill them or we're going to have to run away. But running away ain't easy when there's six of you and you have to succeed because if you come back, you're in deep trouble. So I remember we just stood there and we were. We're basically, we're crying. We're just looking at each other. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do. And at that time, I looked up and I saw three numbers just coming down from the ceiling. It was 807. I said, I said, 807. And my, my sister didn't say a word. They just looked at me and they said, Joliet Street. It, we didn't, we, we, we both, we all knew what it meant. Somehow we just knew. We weren't born again. We weren't saved. But we all knew what that meant. 807 Jolly Edge Street. It was my grandmother's address. She had taught us when we were kids. And we said, okay, what do we do? So we went to the payphone. We picked up, the, we called the operator. said, would you please look up this number? And my grandmother answered the phone. And she said, the lady says, uh, Miss, is this Miss Keaton? I've got some children here that want to talk to you. And the first words out of her mouth were, I am a born-again Christian. I prayed every single day that if you ever got in trouble, that God would remind you of the address. Isn't that, isn't that precious? I mean, just, it was so bad. It was just, it was, but what a blessing. And the operator said, oh, I prayed about this. I always wanted to do this. And she was just excited to be a part of the whole thing, you know. But, uh. You know, it's like the Lord put everybody in the right place at the right time. And for my grandmother to stay in the house and pray for us. And look what happened. When we need it, the Lord delivered us. Amen? And, you know, the thing about that made that so hard and difficult was that they were so controlling. You couldn't go get a drink of water without them approving you to do it. If you wanted to go outside, you got to get approval to go outside. It was just massive over control. So... When all this happened, then we went to the school, and I said, look, look what they've done to my sisters. So they took my sisters and put them in a home while I had to go back. 
And when I went back, it wasn't fun. It was, a, it was like a dark two weeks. And during that time, what had happened is you could just see God changing these peoples. They were like, we're going to stop this. I mean, they were just angry and mad the whole time. One day they woke up and they said, oh, you want to leave, do you? Get in the car. They drove us to the airport with the shoes and the shorts and the shirt we had on our backs, took us to the airport, walked up to the counter, bought tickets, and put us on an airplane and sent us to Texas. Isn't that amazing? That was a miracle. That was a blessing. We were like, don't say a word. Let's just get on the plane and go. You know, because otherwise it, it could have been a long, drawn-out process. And God just reached out, and they woke up one day and wanted to let us go. Yeah, I'm like, okay, praise God. And during that time, one thing I forgot to share with you, we called my grandmother. You know, the first thing the Lord told me when I got saved, he says, you're a Joseph. I didn't know what that even meant. I didn't even read the story of Joseph, but he said, you're a Joseph. And then I realized after I got saved that when we look back, we called my, my grandmother. She goes, I've been staying in touch with your mother every month in case you ever came to me, I could find her. And you know where my mother was living? She was living in Egypt. The Lord had taken her to Egypt. She was living in Egypt. And as soon as we called my grandmother, she called my mother. My mother flew back over and was waiting for us in Bryan College Station. When they bought us tickets, they bought, they bought tickets to Bryan College Station. We showed up. It's like, we don't even know who we're looking for. And in my mind, I always kind of pictured my mom being over there. And if I knew who she was, I was just going to run to her and I was going to tackle her. No, I didn't mean to tackle her. I just want to hug her. <laughs> but that's uh, just the way I saw it in my mind all the time. You know, what would it be like if I ever saw my mom again? Well, when we got out of the car, she was waiting for us at a hotel. We got out of the car, and I got out of the car. I was just like, I just almost couldn't move. I was just like, okay, I'm going to shut the door. I really don't know what to do. I, I want to go see if that was the door and of the room she was staying in. And I kind of stood there for a minute, just kind of gathering myself. And all of a sudden, I saw the door just flam and just hit the door. I mean, she uh, hit the wall. She f the door flew open. And all of a sudden, this, this lady comes running out of the door. And she was the one running after me. And she came, and she hugged me in the parking lot, almost knocked me down. And my mom's only about 5'4", so she's not very big. But it was the opposite of what I thought it would be. I mean, if I'd known who she was, we'd meet in the middle, at least. But... Uh, but she came out and she hugged me so hard, just like she wouldn't let me go. And what was so precious about it was that the Lord reminded me of the prodigal son. You know, we, we think about, oh, the prodigal son, he was really having a hard time. And he was really, you know, he was out doing his thing and eventually he got homesick. But you know what? The father was at home with heartache every single day. And the minute I saw that door open, I understood she has been hurting more than anybody. She has six kids, and she doesn't know where they're at. So what happened is, of course, we all got out of the car. We had a big family reunion right there in the parking lot. And, um, but what happened was that it took four years after that, because as soon as we got to Texas, what did they want? They wanted us back. It's like the Lord opened the door and said, hurry up and go. And we took off. It was just like the children of Israel getting out of Egypt. You know, let's go, let's go. And uh, so, praise the Lord, we, we spent four years after that court battling. I said, Lord, I'm just so tired of all this. 
you know, these people let us go and then they fight to keep us. And we told them, we told the judge, we're never going to go back there. Why would we, why are we even having this court? We are not going back there. And I said, Lord, before I turn 18, I pray that this is done. I, I want to be adopted. I don't want to just, my name change because I'm 18. Well, it was like five days before my 18th birthday, we finally won the whole court battle. And the Lord said, you said 18, uh, and he got it done before my 18th birthday. And you know, it's kind of precious about it, and this may not, may not mean much. It means a lot to me, because when I opened up my passport, one thing the judge said, he says, I want them to, I want them to keep every last name that they had. So in my birth certificate, there's five names. Kenneth Wayne Keaton Goble Deckard. And, you know, most people say, no, I don't want those. The Lord told me, take it, because there's, there's glory there. I, I want to minister through that. Take that. Let me use that. It's the plumbing. Let it flow. A lot of that stuff I've held on to just because there was too much hurt, too much pain. But now the Lord's healed all that. He's gone back into my soul and healed my hurt. Here my, you know, all the shortcomings that were built up inside of me, not being enough. But once I got born again, it's like the sun came out, everything started growing, and everything was better. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, anyway, so what we did is we ended up getting adopted back by my, my real parents. And um, I got saved when I was 18 right out of high school. And I look back, I think I used to work out at a Baptist preacher's house for three years. He waited till the day I was walking off to, to want to pray with me. And he said, do you mind if we pray? I said, oh, put, yeah, let's do that, please. I'm, I'm going to be leaving town. And we prayed. He didn't explain to me that I was getting saved. But that's okay, the Lord told me. And so anyway, what was so powerful about it was that after I got saved, I was all by myself. Even though I found my parents, my biological parents, and came back, when I was 15, everybody moved to Scotland. And yeah, to Scotland of all places. And I just felt like I need to stay here. And I talked to my parents. I was 15 years old. I said, I don't know how to tell you this. I just don't think I should be over there. I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And my parents, I, I had an apartment when I was 15 years old. I had my own car when I was 15 years old. The Lord just, I don't know, it's just, I wouldn't let me do that, you know. And uh, I look back and say, how did all that happen? But it was, it was the Lord's work. And it was a way to keep me dependent on the Lord. I got saved, didn't have a dollar in my pocket. But the Lord started to develop my prayer time, my, my, my reading time with him. And one day he told me to go out and get a, a notebook, a 300-page notebook. And he told me, write every, don't, one prayer per line, no more. Don't duplicate prayers. And within about a little over a year, he said, go back and look at that book. That book was covered both sides of the page from one end to the other, and there was only two prayers in that thing that had not been answered. Only two out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You can look at that and say, yeah, what God says, he means, and he's true. I mean, we're talking about people getting saved, people getting healed, people, all this stuff, things that were just too far above what I think could happen, and he did it all. There were two things that weren't answered, and the Lord just reminded me of this today. He says, your sister Jerry wasn't saved, because the Lord told me he's going to save all my family. You pray for them, I will save them. My oldest sister, Jerlene, was the one that wasn't saved, and the other one was my healing. 
one thing I haven't had a chance to share with you is that when I was young, when I was six years old, I started having seizures. Didn't know what it was about. Didn't know why. Didn't, and went all the way through my life. It's like throwing, they were throwing medicine at it, trying to do the best they could. It was just human knowledge. But it was very, very difficult. When I had a seizure, it would wipe out a day. It would wipe out a week of my memory. I could do something yesterday, have a seizure, and could not even, it's like it never existed. That's terrible. That's so terrible. But um, So it was at the top of my list as a prayer request. Lord, please put me in there. I want to be healed. I know you're going to do it. I, know, I just don't know when, but I'm believing. And the Lord, told, he says, I'm still going to save your sister, Jolene, and I'm going to heal you. And I didn't know how that was going to happen. One day I was driving with my brother who had just gotten saved, and I was trying to spend time with him and just fellowship with him. The Lord told me, I was, we're pulling, the, turn around the corner as that jack-in-the-box. The Lord said, pull in right here. So I pulled the car, and he says, pray for your sister, Jerry, right now. And I said, okay, and I explained to my brother so he would understand what was going on. I said, the Lord's telling us we've got to pray. We're going to pray for her right now. He says, do it now. So I prayed with him. I broke the, the, the enemy's hold on her. I asked God to give her liberty, to give her freedom. And we prayed until I felt the Lord release me. And I said, okay, let's continue on what we're doing, but remember this. And the Lord had me look at my, at my watch. I, I believe it was like 1045 or 1030. The next day, I was, uh, that night, uh, went to bed. The next morning, somebody's not knocking. They're pounding, almost kicking on my door. I jump out of bed like, what? What is this? And I ran there. I didn't have a little pit bull to look through the, the door, but I opened it up a little bit, and I looked out there, and I was like, what are you doing? It was my sister, Jolene. And she was standing there, and she was just trembling, just trembling. And she said, Ken, yesterday, as you name the time, she goes, I've been hooked on cocaine for four years. And I told God, if you will, if you will take this away and save me, I will serve you the rest of my life. And she goes, the first time I ever heard God's voice, he told me to go see you. The first thing he ever said to her is, go see Ken. And there she was the next morning at my door telling me this. It would have glo- and she was, the, she was the last one to get saved. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. Hallelujah. So there was one more prayer that we were asking the Lord for. That is my healing. Um, and I'm currently 60. I know I look 40, but I'm 60. I just turned 60. But 10 years ago, when I was actually when I turned 50, it was kind of like a, a goalpost. I was all, you know, it's, it's like at 50, all of a sudden I started experiencing something because I'd had seizures all along. It had been just, how would I say, just a very difficult situation. And what ended up happening is I began to have seizures every single day, every single day, every single day. I'm like, Lord, this is... And, it's like at that point, there came a point where I just realized, I don't know what's going on, Lord. You do, but I can see that this isn't going to get better. And I just, I just knew that, and it just, it just said, Lord, like this is the end of the line. We've got to do something. We have no more time to do this, anything else. And you're going to have to show me because I have no way of doing anything. This is out of my control. All I can do is ask and believe. I was just at my end. To the point where, I mean, I couldn't even think about it without crying and just the Lord, needing the Lord to do something. I remember I, I got home one day and it was just, 
<coughs> just to look at, just to have that happen with my wife or my daughter was very difficult because it was out of my control. And it's like I, I said, Lord, let's let's go for a walk. I kind of felt like this is going to be the last walk if we don't something doesn't happen. And I started to walk. I didn't walk, but from here to the to the, to the glass. And the Lord told me, turn around and go back home. And I'm like. I'll turn around and go back home. I said, but why am I going back home? I, want, I need this time with you. He said, go home. He said, go to your computer and, and type this in. And I went home and I typed it in. He said, now look, go to the bottom of the screen. He said, open that last link. And I opened it up. And it opened up. It was like in paragraphs. He said, go to the third paragraph and read the bottom of the third paragraph. So I started in the middle and started working my way down. And it spoke about something called a growing skull fracture. I didn't know what it was. It was all medical stuff. And I said, Lord, what, is, what does this have to do with me? I don't understand this. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you have a growing skull fracture. He said, you, when you were a baby, you had a skull fracture. And ever since you were a baby, everybody had been treating you for epilepsy. And you've been going through all these things. And it never was epilepsy. And I, I, I called my biological mother. I said, Mom, I got a question for you. Please, I'm not blaming you or anything. I just need to know, did you drop me when I was a baby? Maybe walking outside and whoops, there goes Ken, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know. So I asked her, and she said, oh, no, I don't remember. You know, she, we spent about 15, 20 minutes trying to cultivate some memory. And she goes, I'll be honest, I tried to forget everything in the past. She goes, I kind of like have a veil where from there back, I... It just hurts too much to remember. And I said, I'm sorry, I know I didn't mean to stir any of that up. I just, if there was some knowledge there, I'd, l I'd love to harvest that knowledge. And she goes, no, I'm sorry. So we hung up. And I said, okay. Uh, I started to go for another walk. And all of a sudden she called me back. And I said, oh, okay. What's she goes, Ken, she goes, I hung up the phone. And she goes, all of a sudden, I remembered that one memory. I didn't have to walk to get there. It's like the one memory just came back. And she goes, I remember when I brought you home from the hospital, I, I put you in the crib. When I came back like four in the morning to check on you, she goes, you had a ball on your head the size of your head. And she goes, I didn't know what to do. She goes, I, I, I called people to help me. And she goes, I, the next morning we took you to the hospital. And the doctor told her, just keep an eye on him. You know, this could be just fine. And see... That's why I didn't start having seizures until I was six years old. It was a skull fracture, but it's called a growing skull fracture. The, the more you grow, the bigger the fracture gets. And on this walk that I took, the Lord told me, call the third best surgeon in the United States and make an appointment to go see him. I said, the third? Okay, how am I supposed to know what the third is? Well, go look it up on the Internet. You know, so I started doing the search and. Anyway, I found the third. His name was Dr. Tandon, and he was now living in, he was living in San Antonio. Now he was in, practicing in, uh, in Houston, and um, the Lord told me, go see him, and I, I got there. It took me a couple weeks to get in, and, and he goes, Mr. Deckard, how did you get in here? He goes, I said, well, I made an appointment. He goes, no, I mean, I got, I got like a six-month waiting list for people just to have an appointment. People are a year and a half away to get surgery. He goes, how did you get in here? Who, you know, I said, you want to know how I got here? I said, I just got to tell you, 
I prayed. God told me to call your office and set up an appointment. That's why I'm here. That's how I got here. And he goes, well, God told you to come. We're going to take care of you. And so what he did, he's, he, he put me at the front of the line. He said, we'll do your surgery first. Isn't that something? Yeah. I was at the point. I had, I had, no, I had something that had to happen. And so what ended up happening was that the Lord told me, don't say another word to him. Let him tell you everything. And he took what's called a T3 scan, and they put it in the, in the, in the machine. They looked at it, and they said, you see that right there? He walked up, he goes, you had a skull fracture when you were a baby. He says, it, it started at about a half an inch. It's now six and a half inches long. And he, and he, I mean, he told me everything that the Lord had already told me. It was, it was so beautiful. It was just like, yep, you're the one. Yeah, it was confirmation. We're in the right place. And um, so what, what made it so special was that he says, don't worry. You'll never have another seizure again. We will take care of this. And you got to remember, it was to the point where if I was to try to run to the parking lot, for some reason, that was just more stress than it, than it could take, and I would have a seizure. It got to the point where if I did anything with any stress or strain, I would have a seizure. Not one, but every time it happened. That's why I knew something's very, 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 very wrong, because if I strain myself or do something, i got to expect that to happen. And every time it happened, I would lose days, weeks of memory, not even remember where I was last week. And that's unacceptable. We don't have to put up with that. Amen? So the reason I share this story with you is that God is so faithful. He's our Father. See, I belong to Him. He seated me. He said, when, he, when, when God wanted you, He spoke to Himself and He sent you to your parents. And you came out from God. You were seated from heaven, planted into the earth to reveal God's glory in the earth. Amen? So I belong to him. We live in a kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. And he watches over me carefully. He loves each and every one of us intimately. And how well I'm doing is a reflection of my king. Amen? If he says, you belong to me, everything belongs to me. Ask and I'll give it to you. You know, I put you here so that I could give you what you need and give you what you need to rule and to reign in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, yeah, amen. The Lord is so good. And you know, one of the beautiful things about being a child of God is that He gives you the ability to hear and to see. You know, I remember the most precious thing to me Growing up, when I got saved, was that I heard God's voice. It's like I hadn't heard, I hadn't had a father, I hadn't heard a father's voice my entire life until God spoke to me. And at that time, I knew, it's like, yeah, I've got a father. And you're him, you're my father. I'm, I'm not kin to anybody else. I'm hooked to you, Lord. You are my father and I am your child. And you're going to watch over me greatly. Amen? Amen. So, you know, what's, what's so wonderful is that the voice of God brings joy. The voice of God is so, so precious because if you know the one who knows everything, is that a good person to hear from? It is, isn't it? He cannot lie. He cannot mislead us. 
Everything he says, he sources. Oh, we're back to the source. He's seeding. When he speaks, he seeds. So when, when we hear the voice of God, we can say, hallelujah, I've got it. Now I just got to walk with him, and we're going to create this thing together. Amen? Amen. You know, related to the Caesars and stuff, I, was, I worked for the state of Texas as a program manager, but every time I got to a certain point, I would have a seizure, and there would be a problem, and I would end up having to leave. And I just said, Lord, you, again, it's, this is a, this, you're going to have to do something for me. And after, it actually, it was before I had the this, this, this surgery, but one day I woke up, and the Lord says, start building houses. And I said, what do I know about building houses? And I said, I just hired a builder to build my house. And, but would you know that that builder started the foundation and he left town? It's like, oh, this is the way we planned this out, is it? You know, now I got to finish this house. It was the greatest thing I ever did. And the Lord said, start building houses. A week later, I had my first contract. From that point on, the Lord has just been providing, 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 providing. And it, it, it's so beautiful because it's a walk of faith. It has to be a walk of faith. I don't advertise. I don't do anything like that. I do have a website, but I don't know if anybody ever visits it. <laughs> so anyway, but, but it's because you know, the, the, the Lord is so good. When I had a need, he met the need. When it was life, I mean, it was life-threatening, he met the need. I had a desire. He sent my wife, you know, so everything it says in Philippians 2.13, I will give you the desires, the things that you don't know that you want. I'm going to give you a desire so that you know you want them. Your hope is not your hope. It came from him. Isn't that great? All of these beautiful things are been seeded into us. We think, oh, look what I got. Look what I'm hoping for. No, it didn't come from you. There's nothing good in us. If we want anything that's desirable, it has to come from God. Amen? So we need to start giving God acknowledgement and say, Lord, thank you for that. When you gave that to me, you said, go get it. And now i got to walk with God. It says that we co-labor with God. We were walking with him, talking with him. See, he gave us faith. He knew that when we fell, the only way we could know that we are divinity, that we are in Christ, is when he gave you the gift of faith. The supernatural working of God in our life when we come in agreement with him, with his word. And what did he do? He made his word a seed. He said, if you agree with this, it'll come up and you don't even know how it happened. I will do it. So when we read God's word, we're reading grace. We're reading future grace. God's all the little seeds God put into our life. He says, I'm going to do this here and I'm going to do this here. and I'm going to do this here. And it's going to be so great, you can't deny me. My love is going to be poured out in you so wonderfully that all you're going to do is celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. And then you're going to realize, wow, God is so good. He sends his power and his grace for me to fall in love with him. And then when I fall in love with him, he says, see, believe. and Believe for that, believe for that. And then you'll see everything he promises, he brings it to pass. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Amen. And you know what's kind of neat about this? We're, we're natural and we're supernatural. We're of the earth and we're of heaven. Amen. Now, 
The Lord made this where it takes as little. In other words, it's not by performance. It's by his grace. So he says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and salvation shall be yours. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the faith walk right there. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and receive. Amen? So, the, uh, let me jump over here. Oh, i got to cover this. We're made in the image and likeness of God. We've been seated from God. Now, the great thing about being a child of God is that we've been sourced by God. We are his seed, his children. It's his job to nurture us, to source us, to help us, to provide for us, to protect us. So, one interesting, one beautiful thing about sourcing is that the potential of everything let me read this. Okay, the potential of all things is related to its source. Its source. Our potential is related to his source. If I asked you, what is your potential? You'd tell me, oh, da, da, da. no. You have God's potential. You're not here to live out your potential. You're here to live out his potential. Isn't that powerful? Wow. That's a blessing. That's huge. So we see that, yeah, my mind can't even conceive what God wants to do. Everything I'm thinking has got to be way less than what he can do. I have to believe that he's, he's, he's able to do anything that I ask. Amen? So your potential in God is unlimited. Your abilities are defined by God. Amen? Don't walk by our own, our own, our own measure of, of faith or measure of what we think we do. Say, Lord, what do you say I can do? You know, where would you take me? That's why the Lord gives us dreams and visions. He says, no, you're not seeing it big enough. Let me show you what it is. And you're going to think, there's no way. Yep, that's him. That's, that's God. If it's not big enough, if it's too big for you, it's, that's the Lord. It's got to be bigger than you can imagine. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, uh, instead of focusing on your faith, start focusing on the grace and the goodness of God. When you start lifting up your attention up here, you start saying, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? What do you have for me? What is it? I'm living this life for you so you can live through me. When God moves in our life, it's God's grace. It's God's life living through us. Amen. And our faith is just where we come in agreement with him. And then we see all these great things. God says, go to that surgeon and get surgery. And that takes care of the problem. Amen. You know, I'm almost more thankful that he did it that way than just healing me. Because that way I got to hear the detailed voice of God. And see, if I didn't have that happen in my life, I wouldn't know the, 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 the sweet compassion of God. There's certain attributes of God that I would have never even known if I hadn't been pushed, pushed, pushed to the, to the edge. I knew, that, I knew death was just right over there. But I'm in God. I've got a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter. I'm not going nowhere. God has a purpose for me, and I'm going to see it to pass. Amen? And so only then am I able to fall on my face and say, Lord, this will only happen if you do it. And then I stand up, and what happens? He starts talking to me. and starts leading me and guiding me. And that's the same thing with each and every one of us. If you're, ha- if you're, if you're suffering lack in your life, if you have any lack whatsoever, it's a lack of asking. Amen? We've got to learn that, um, let me get to this point. This is a really good point. <laughs> Faith and grace are relational. 
It's not a, it's not a, uh, what's it, a solution. It's not a formula. Grace and faith are relational. Man, that's beautiful. And it takes a lot of time to get to that point of understanding that both are relational. God says, you know what? I'm going to bless you. I want you to chase after me, so there's my blessing. And then he touches her with his grace, and what happens? Her faith leaps up and chases after God. He says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repent. It's the goodness of God that draws us out. You see, that's what Philippians 2.13 uh, says. I will give you the desires of your heart. And when I get it there, you're going you're gonna to leap up in faith because I gave you a seed and everything you need is in that seed. If I hadn't spoken it, he's going to bring it to pass and everything else. Even if, if you're not ready, he won't speak it. Does that make sense? So God's goodness is what draws us out. Amen? So the grace of God is God's loving kindness. It's his favor. It's his power being demonstrated in our life and applied to our life at a given time. Isn't that great? Yeah. Amen. So the grace of God. We need to start walking our life every day. I want to see the grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God. Oftentimes we think, by faith, by faith, by faith. And turn it around. God says, I want to get you out of your chair. There you go. Come on, let's go. And, and he graces us, and we respond by faith. Amen? He initiates everything. If we learn that right there, he initiates everything, then we'll seek him, we'll follow him, we'll, we'll run after him, we'll desire him, because he will do it, because he'll say, hey, believe for this right here, right here, right here. See this? The minute he says it, believe it, because that's why he, he's bringing it to pass in your life. He's revealing it to us. So praise the Lord. And we got to remember, it is all finished. Jesus' last words on the cross is, it is finished. Amen? It was finished before the foundation of the world. That needs to give us confidence, peace, understanding that this isn't a plan that was kind of put together at the last minute. It was put together before the earth was here. Amen? Your life, my life, every one of our lives are written in the book. And the Lord says, go up there. Last week, Bertie was singing a song. Come on up, come on up, come on up. See, yeah, we live in this world, but we're natural and supernatural. I can go boldly before the throne, spiritually, and, 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 and petition God. Lord, what do you have for me? What is your plan for me? He's waiting for us to ask. He says to ask and you'll receive. You won't receive till you ask. Isn't that great? He's saying, hey, I want to initiate something with you. Ask me. Ask me. Come on. Come on, listen. And, and, and we ask, and then what happens? He leaps into, into action. He loves you so much. He just he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to bless us. He wants to reveal himself to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so we need to be focused on the grace of God. This is kind of my wrap-it-up statement is that in Jesus dwells the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. He has taken what is his, and he has put it into you. He has seeded it into you. He has empowered it into you. He has nurtured it into you. He has done all these things that a father does. He has already done it in you. He's just waiting for you to go through the word of God and find those nuggets of goodness, find those nuggets of grace and say, why not me? Let me do this. I don't want to get this age in my life and just experience. I want it now. 
Boy, that would bless me right now. If I had that now, then that would be wonderful. And we got to know that God can bring that to pass in our life. That's what he's wanting to do. The Spirit of God is leading us, guiding us, speaking to us each and every day, developing that wonderful, wonderful relationship. So that every time you hear the voice of God, whew, joy just takes off in your heart. I love the voice of God. When I hear the voice of God, I just want to go around the corner and spend time with the Lord. Just, just go, go cry in front of him because he knows everything I need. And if I go before him and I yield myself, he becomes Lord of all. Doesn't matter what it is. He is Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Um, I have preached this sermon. I haven't cried once. That's amazing. That was my toughest battle. I don't know if I can get through this thing. Praise God. So I want to remind you that you are dual citizens. You're supernatural and you're natural. I want you to focus on the supernatural. Focus on the grace of God. And here's why. Because while we may be natural and supernatural, we don't have time to wait for the natural. We need to go to God and say, God, I believe for this today. I need this today. I don't, I don't want to go the slow route. I want to go the adding it to me suddenly route. Amen? Praise God. So uh, we gotta, we got to realize in the natural, things are controlled by time and by seasons. You can go to God and ask him in prayer, and he will skip the seasons and the time and give you a suddenly. Amen? How precious is that? How wonderful is that? Praise the Lord. Let's go and stand, if you would. Okay. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's go before the Lord, and let's just give him praise for the day. Amen? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing in every single heart, in every single life, Lord. You know the hearts, you know the dreams, the desires that each and every person here has. And Father, I lift up the fathers especially. I pray that you begin to just put in them what you would have them, Lord, bless them with. That you would direct them and lead them and guide them. That they would become the nurturers, the source of help for their families. That they would be kings and priests and prophets to their families. That they would speak the words that would give life to everyone in their families, Lord God. That they would begin to decree the, the good works of God. And that they would see... God moving in their lives in every single way, in their children, even in the grandparents. Lord, that in the finances that they were spoken to, that they will be blessed, that they will be abundant. We release finances to every single family here. That, Lord, that we will seek you above all else. And, Lord, I ask for healing where there's healing needed. I ask for healing of the heart, healing of the soul. Father, And I just thank you that you give us peace of mind. Father, in the name of Jesus. I declare that every single person here is blessed and highly favored of God. And they will walk in the goodness of God in everything that they do every day of their lives. As they look to you, they will see glory after glory after glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Robert, you want to dismiss everyone?